0: Hey guys, what's up? I just wanted to address some stuff before we start this awesome episode. A couple things happened. In the first about 27 minutes or so, um, there was an audio issue with Mark's side of the mic. That's my fault. We uh, recorded and I I missed it too late. But uh, I had this awesome guy uh, in the podcast community named Dave Campbell. He actually reached out to me and helped me... um, fix that recording. So it sounds a little better. It's not perfect, but by it sounds way better than when I sent it off to him. So Dave, I can't thank you enough for your support on that. It really means a lot to me. Um, secondly, uh, this episode is just awesome. Me and Mark catching up and um, he really kind of dives in on his long tenure in the army, which was awesome. But third, um, I know guys I've been struggling. With um, the past couple weeks with audio issues and stuff, trying to get it right. But I have good news. I got um, some actual quality podcast recording equipment headed. Should all be here by Wednesday. So for my next um, couple interviews, they should be spot on. And I'm actually getting the hang of this now. So we're looking pretty solid. Thank you all for all for your um, immense support. Um, please like, subscribe, and listen. Uh, tell your friends, tell them if they want to listen, or even just tell them if they wanted to come and tell me their story. And I appreciate all of it. Thank you all so much. Here's the podcast. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, well, you're on Why We Serve with Benjamin Lake here today. I got a very special guest uh someone i work with pretty close up here uh summer first class mark wise what's going on mark hey Ben. yeah that's what i'm talking about i got uh i was fortunate enough to come up here and talk to him um it's actually my first remote podcast so we're gonna see how it goes mark is currently uh serving active duty over on fort leonardwood i've gotten to know him know him pretty well over the past year and we're just gonna kind of dive in on mark's journey uh why he joined the army. And, uh, um, what keeps him going or not going, you know, throughout his career thus far. So, Mark, we're kind of going to just dive in right now. Just tell the people about, you know, kind of what your upbringing a little bit, just a little back history, and then kind of what brought you to the decision to join the Army.
1: Well, thank you very much, uh, Ben, for having me on your podcast. It's my honor. <laughs> Seriously. So, I'm Mark Wise, I'm originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I um, had a really normal childhood growing up, uh, born in 85, so you can call me a 90s kid. had two great parents, uh, one brother, uh, really normal, uh, I, I guess maybe abnormal compared to what the kids do today. Played outside, rode a bike, played sports, uh, did the normal childhood thing. I don't want to go too deep into it, I guess I'll fast forward a little bit. Graduated high school, and I went off to college in 2004, fall of 2004. So I'm 18 years old, mm-hmm. and I'd never been away from home. So there was a lot of drinking, a lot of freedom.
0: A lot of irresponsibility going on.
1: A lot of fun irresponsibility. Yeah. It's probably an oxymoron, isn't it? No, no, no It's awesome. And uh, basically went in as a good student and came out as a dirtbag with a 1.6 GPA in the spring of 2005. Uh, and that's when my mom talked to me. She was like, Hey, Mark, uh, I'm not paying for D plus grades. So you need to figure out what you're going to do. Um, so like fall, summer, fall, 2005, I moved home, enrolled in community college, got a job at a restaurant and still partying, doing my things. But I think I raised my GPA to like
0: 2.4. Oh, yeah.
1: So I was killing it. <laughs> uh, met a girl, gotten a fairly, serious relationship. I mean, as serious as you can be at what, nineteen years old. Nineteen,
0: yeah. It's pretty pretty locked down at that point. I'm I'm be with her forever, obviously.
1: Of course. This is (laughs) this is is my sweetheart, right? Who I'm gonna live my life with. Uh I don't want to get too in depth, but we did the things men and women do and in the spring of two thousand six found out she was pregnant. Oh yeah. So I was scared to death. I was Working like barely minimum wage, living with her, and it's like, damn, what do I do? So
0: decided. Does your sorry? Does your yeah. mind just like because you know I've obviously gotten my wife pregnant multiple times, but you know we're together in those moments like that. Were you truly like? Do you think just like terrified, or are you just like shit? I got to do something.
1: Is it
0: okay to swear on this? Thing? Yeah. So yeah, you're good. I was like, fuck, fuck, yeah, man. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was
1: fucking terrified because yeah. like. I was just living my best life, as the kids say these days, having a good time, you know. But you know, I was terrified. So I talked to her. I was like, well, I'll join the Army Reserves.
0: Yeah. The,
1: I don't know why I decided the Reserves. And uh so that takes us, like, July of 06, August '06. I come to Fort Leonard Wood and uh, start my Army journey.
0: Yeah. Do you think – I wonder how that works, too, because – I wonder if it's like you think it's the reserve, so I still get the discipline, but I get to come home still, or if it's like
1: something like yeah, that.
0: Yeah, but you, so you, when you got, she was pregnant, and then you were about to ship out when
1: this is July six, August sixth. Okay. Uh, just real quick, I don't, I'm not gonna mention her name. Uh, we are on good terms, but we're yeah. not together. Yeah. Um, uh, I'll get to. My wife, 12 years, and my, my kids a little bit later on. But, uh, we lost the baby, uh, and in the course of me being here, I lost the relationship. <laughs> so got a, got a Dear John and.
0: Oh, um, oh, at it, Basic and stuff?
1: I think it was AIT. Ugh, That's when we did, uh, what we used to, what did. Cringe. What do we used call it
0: back then? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, was it OSA for you yeah. guys? Yeah. Okay.
1: So like six months basically when you count like being held over.
0: Yeah. For those uh, exactly. for those listening, I'm sorry. I, I got to do admin notes every oh. now and then. Uh, those that are listening and don't know are, are some army terms and stuff, I've kind of gone over them. OSET is one station unit training, so it's like your basic and your AIT are just all one lump sum. It's just one continuous training event. Uh, kind of sucks. It's kind of good though. You build that relationship with the people training you for mu- much longer. But it's a lot. It's It's a little rough sometimes.
1: Yeah, it was the last hard, like, initial training in the Army. It's what we always say. Yeah. Like, I was just talking to one of the holdovers, Dave. He's like, sorry, my face was so hard. I'm like, damn, I thought mine was the hardest (laughs) 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 one. But, uh, so what's that put us at? That puts us at February of 07. Mm -hmm. And I have nothing really to go back to. In my mind, I'm 21 years old. Oh, yeah, I turned 21 at AIT.
0: Okay, Great. so are you are you are you already you were in the reserves already I'm at this still point? In the okay.
1: So thinking what I want to do, and if you remember at that time, uh, Iraq was raging. We had just started the surge.
0: Yeah, in 06. Yeah, it started getting real nasty right then.
1: Real nasty. Um, so I decided to go active duty, and it was this simple. I went to a recruiter and said, "Hey, I just came out of basic AIT. I want to be active." Literally within a week, I had orders to board to Texas.
0: Yeah. Were you excited for that change? You think, or were you like, "This is sketchy," but I ain't really got nothing going on.
1: I was just in it for the journey. Yeah. Uh, I had lost in my mind. My world was over. The girl I love had left me, and yeah, so, well, fuck it. Let's see what happens next. So, I. Uh, Took my 1997 Toyota Avalon, which my mom gave me, (laughs) drove from Pittsburgh to Fort Hood, and really started my active duty journey.
0: And you just started off the bat. You didn't have to go back for training or anything. You just jumped right into the active role.
1: No, basically, I was complete. I was a full fledged 74 Delta um, E2 at the time.
0: Yeah. It's
1: like, hey, you're just going from the reserve component to active, and we're going to put you needs of the Army and Needs the army was the third
0: armored cavalry regiment at Fort in Texas. Damn. So it's, I, I think that's a big thing for people listening and stuff. Mark, obviously, it's not a traditional path to get to active duty. He had this uh, starting place of I'm going to join the reserves and that's going to get me rolling. But then at this point, he finds that, you know, that drive of i really got to figure out something i want to do something with my life i'm going to get going i think the, all the people i've talked about i don't think it's necessary that we're running from things but it's running to things like we're trying to get somewhere in our lives because we know we're capable of more but we don't really have the confidence or anything so it's like that active duty life is just such a strong push of we'll come find out come get this work Come find out what's going on, and it's exciting, but it's also like a really scary diving board. Like, and then you get there, and it's you know, it's it's just crazy. I just think that's cool that you you initially went in like reluctant, kinda, or like just going a reserve route, and then boom, you're like, no, I I, I want to go, I want to go see the world in the middle of the shittiest part of the war, probably.
1: I don't think I was thinking. <laughs> Man, I was twenty one years old and. Young and dumb. And I'll say this. When I got to Fort Hood, I thought I was going to the newly established 48th chemical brigade. I'm like, Oh, I'll go be a more No, I got sent to a line unit, uh, combat arms unit, um, scouts, 19 deltas, tankers, 19 kilos, uh, mortar section. I mean, line troops. I was with the NCOs. They were going on their third deployment to Iraq. And it was a huge culture shock from where I was, even in Fort Leonard Wood. Um Got the dog shit smoked out of me as a private, <laughs> just like the typical private things. I wasn't good or bad. And I'll just say this, Um I've always considered myself very average, just being honest. Um a, yeah. I Stayed out of trouble. I did my job. I mean, I got into the typical private uh, trouble, which we can get into a little bit later, yeah. but um. It, I was just there. I did my job and uh, was just there for the ride. And I thought, I'm going to do this three-year hitch, get out, go back to college. But we can, I guess, this will lead us further into the podcast.
0: Do you think as that first stint there, your morale and like motivation to stay in, would you say it declined steadily or did it kind of go up and down? Or did it go up?
1: It went up and down. So I did a 15-month appointment to Iraq. Oh, their yeah. ACR. That was my first deployment. Mm-hmm. One of six. Um, was that a wake up call? Absolutely. I mean, you mind if I talk about the deployment?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So November
1: 07, we left Fort Hood. January of 09, we came back to Fort Holy Hood. Holy fuck. And 15 months in Iraq, um, in a line unit. That really, for me, I saw, how good and bad the Army can be. I had a really great first sergeant. If I don't think he'll ever listen to this. Or maybe he might. Uh, <laughs> first Sergeant Carlos Lucell. He was hard, but he was fair. Yeah. Uh, and when I say hard, like really hard. He grew up in El Salvador, was in the Army down there, did some stuff in the 80s, then came up. He spent a long time at Fort Bragg. And that's kind of what got me on to like, hey, I want to get a jump out of planes at some point. And I just always remember him telling me, Wise, if you go to Fort Bragg, you'll be okay. So, gotten actually a really good deployment shape back then. I'll say, fortunately, I was single. Um, I know yeah. a lot of guys I was with, unfortunately. And when I say guys, by the way, you have to realize this was 2007, eight, nine, so combat arms was all males. Um, we had a few females come through our outpost um, support personnel, but it, it was all guys. And I mean, a lot of marriages got destroyed in that 15 months, which I guess maybe can be another podcast. So
0: I I think like that's a big thing people should understand. There's goods and bad to like the deployment side, because you're like, like me, I was the opposite, right? I had a wife with a pregnant, she was pregnant and we had a one-year-old child and I left for 12 months. And You get over there and you're more, mine wasn't as heavy as yours, obviously. I was at the tail end of the war and I was doing staff stuff. So mine, it's a monotonous day every day. There's minimal risk. There's some, but nothing to be terrified over. But you get over there and you have like your mission. That's your job over there. And it's kind of what you always, I don't know if you wanted it, but it's always what your job was supposed to be, going and supporting the war. But you have so much going on at home. And these guys that went in 05 to 2012 or whatever, like when the craziness was going on, really from 02 to like 12, it was just chaos. And they still all had these lives going on at home. I can't fathom trying to deal with that shit. Like your mind is just losing it.
1: I don't want to get too far off track right now, but I just want to shout out to, uh, our battalion sergeant major, sergeant major Bo. I've had a lot of talks with her about deployment. So her and her husband were actually in the initial invasion, which is 20 years ago now. Right? Yeah. I mean, the thing, great. They had a one year old and a five year old at the time. Um, and I talked to her about that, you know, over the past 15, 16 months that I've worked for her. I just said, how did, how did you and your husband and your kids survive this? And, she doesn't know at this point, but she's still going strong. So do you it, think
0: it's like a blur to her or is it like, she's just like, I don't know how we did it, but we did it.
1: You, you just have to do it. Yeah. Is the bottom line. Um And that's what, for a lot of people listening, when it comes down to it is it's not, the army doesn't put you in shitty situations just cause they feel like it. It's just the nature of the beast. Mm-hmm. So coming in. If you don't figure it out quick, like, the army's going to come, the mission's going to come first almost all the time. Unfortunately, family comes second. and That's just how it is. But you just have to push through. And what you're going to find is there's really good people who are going to be to your left and right that you never would have thought about in civilian life who are going <laughs> to help you, and you're going to help them. And that's what really has gotten me sitting here right now with you.
0: Yeah. Well, how, how do you feel during that 15 months that you're mental health morale all that how do you feel it was like progressing through the 15 months
1: up and down uh so my trip was fortunate enough we didn't have anyone uh we didn't have any kia's we had a couple wounded in action okay um in fact i think staff sergeant saw he got shot but he's actually still in right now he's a master sergeant great guy um our sister troop, Apache, they had three KIAs. We had a few more KIAs throughout the squadron. And then most of the regiment was up north in Missoula, so they lost uh, a decent amount yep. of people, which, unfortunately, you know, made those uh, guys rest in peace. But um, we were sort of the tail end of the surge. We had it rough, but not as bad as the people, like, in '06 at the beginning of the surge. So yeah. That kind of wraps up, I think. The deployment. I, I'll just say this is a 74 Delta. When I went to the recruiter's office, they showed me pictures of labs and like these awesome vehicles called the boxes. Yeah, I didn't do any of that. <laughs> I was on details, radio guard, if they needed an extra driver, a gunner, like I did it all. Um, nothing really glorious or glamorous, but I did a lot of regular work, which showed me a lot about what you have to do as a soldier. You might come in for one reason, hey, you know, I'm gonna be a cook, but back in those days you had cooks on Route Irish, yeah. manning machine guns <laughs> and convoys. badass. Just getting it in.
0: So. Yeah. I I think I we kind of skimmed over that, but um, Mark is the same MO, or same job as me, right? MOS seventy four Delta, it's Seaburn, which is Chem, Bio Rad, and Nuke Specialist, which is a fancy way for saying, like, if the bad guys start using Chem weapons, you know, bio stuff. But the big ones people ever everyone thinks of is the gas attacks back in World War One, and anthrax for bio and then obviously nuclear bombs. But like the reason for that job is it's a contingency in case stuff goes down. So we're utilized a lot as like other shit, not our not our primary job, because you can't you typically can't train on those primary jobs every single day, especially in units that are not, uh, Seaburn based.
1: It's not their priority.
0: No. And it, it's a very hard sell to people. So to make yourself, which I can see Mark, you know, he does that very well. He is able to put on a different hat and do those other jobs well. And that's what kind of makes you stand out against your peers and, and make you, uh, viable to those other teams.
1: I'll say this, uh, since you bring that up, Ben. If you look at, so July, I'll hit 17 years. Out of those 17, only two have been in an actual line, like force comp chem units, 21st chemical Company. The rest of the time, I was in armored units. I was in a brigade support battalion in the 82nd. Um, and I spent a long time in 3rd Special Forces Group at Fort Bragg. Um, so I, I wouldn't say I've had a typical career. Um, I've got to experience some different parts of the army, but your normal 74 Delta, they probably wouldn't have had the same career I have. And that's no fault of my own or the army's own. It just kind of how things shook out.
0: Mm-hmm. So we're at the end of this deployment. How are you feeling at the end when you get home?
1: Um, I actually wasn't feeling too good because I was, uh, so you go from, like, you see my office right now. um, There would be about six dudes in a room this size. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't a big deal. No. You just got used to living close to people. You respected people's privacy. You respected their space. But it, at the same time, you just got used to being around people constantly. Going back to Fort Hood and, like, immediately not being in that environment, I felt, I, I don't mean to sound kind of lame, but lonely. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I wasn't in a relationship. I, I had the, not to get too into the weeds, one night stand relationships. Yeah. But, uh, I didn't have anything close and, uh, started drinking a lot mm-hmm. and really missing that,
0: uh, um, camaraderie.
1: Camaraderie. Yeah, yeah. Because there was some guys, they got in relationships. They got immediately married when they got back. I, I didn't dive off that platform, but, um, yeah, I really missed it. Yeah.
0: I think that's typical of anybody. If you're in that situation for that long, it's like a, what's that called, Um, nightingale syndrome or whatever. You like just crave it at that point because it is, and it's like, it's so regimented and daily. I think your body just gets so used to it; it just craves it at that point, you know.
1: Yeah, Sebastian Junger talks about this uh, in his book Tribe, which is just read.
0: Yeah, yeah, just read a um, really good book. He
1: just you're around people, and I'll say this uh, to kind of add on to your theme. There was people I did, didn't like, couldn't stand, but you would still go out of your way to make sure they were safe and taken care of and protected. Mm-hmm. Even the people you fucking hate. Um, you don't want to see anything bad happen to them. And I know that might sound uh counterintuitive, but you just look out for each other. And that's something I don't think that Let me go back. I think veterans have a hard time dealing with that. And when they transition out is that, you know, you really lose that sense of belonging.
0: Um, Yeah. I, um, that book, Mark gave me this book tribe. He was talking about, it was a great quick read. It's an awesome book. It talks about, you know, tribalism and humans and how basically we're designed to be like that. But like to the army's point of it, being around people is how we are naturally supposed to be that close knit friendship group. It is so strong that when you rip someone out of that, you're like what 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 is happening loneliness, depression anxiety um just these feelings of of want and need for others you're gonna have that because it's it's in our DNA
1: close not nah, I don't want to say I've been close, been been on the cusp, but like from what I've heard, it's like going through a divorce almost, you know, where you're in this relationship, then it's like suddenly it's over and it's like, well, fuck. Yeah. Uh no, I'm, my wife and I, uh in I will get to uh that point of my life and career, but uh my wife's been gosh, uh a uh, godsend. And uh I guess we could just push that just, like so I PCS to Fort Bragg in June of 2009, um, to go to the 21st Chemical mm-hmm. Company. Uh, they used to be in the 82nd and they lost gem status and then we fell under an EOD unit. So I was there for about a year and then my wife showed up. Uh, Kate. Uh,
0: was she, she in? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't she know came,
1: that. So, uh, she came to the unit. Uh, I had been on and off in relationships, uh, some funny stories you could talk about offline mm-hmm. uh, events. <laughs> and, uh, went up to my wife. Well, Kate at the time, uh, started talking to her and asked her out. And it was a really romantic first date. Um, so we went to Anthony's Pizza in the mini mall. <laughs> <laughs> that's, <laughs> so, so, Fort Bragg. That,
0: that's so beautiful. And then um. <laughs> we went
1: to, then we went to see a movie, uh, in Fayetteville and.
0: It's I the most private date ever. <laughs> that's awesome
1: what do the kids say now you gotta shoot your shot so walking out of the movie theater I went to like grab her hand to hold her hand and she was like no and I was like "Well, fuck that really took a shit and she's like here hold my hand like this and she grabs my hand and just like here give me your hand man. this yeah. is gonna be a little weird yeah. and she's just like here hold my hand like this oh, I'm like it's
0: a handshake
1: bro, that was super weird <laughs> that was August 8th 2010, and that's when we like to say we got married. Because we've been together ever, besides deployments, every day fucking since.
0: That's awesome. That's so sweet and innocent, like the beginning of that, you know? And then how many, how many years?
1: So it'll be 13.
0: That's crazy. That's awesome.
1: So we're going to jump about five months ahead to January of 2011. Kind of like things happen. Uh, we were together, we were happy, and then, She's like, hey, I'm not feeling too good. I'm like, well, you never, you know, you're, you're healthy. Like, uh, well, I bet you're pregnant. And she, and she like had this mortified face. She's like, no way. So I went to Smoke Bomb Hill Shop at and bought a fucking pregnancy test. <laughs> Cause you know, those, you can just get those from the shop. At. Yeah,
0: you just grab them. <laughs> I don't know
1: if they still have those like that. It's <laughs> so like, here, take this. I was in her barracks room. I mean, we were, she was in mine or I was in hers. She goes into the bathroom. And I shit you not within five minutes, I hear <laughs> she comes out. She's like, I'm pregnant and you're going to leave me. <laughs> That's a terrible. My wife doesn't sound like that, by the way. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to leave you. She's like, what are we going to do? I'm like, well, we'll have a kid and it'll be good. So fast forward a few more months. I leave 21st Chem and uh I get a spot in the Chemical Decon Detachment Third Special Forces Group, which where I would stay for six years. Um, In this time, this is like spring 2011, I asked my wife, I was like, hey, will you marry me? She said no. Ooh. I'm like, oh, shit. She's like, well, I I want to be together. I don't want to be married. I'm like, cool. So like two months go by, and we're driving somewhere to look at an apartment. She's like, will you marry me? And I'm like, you just said no. <laughs> She's like, well, I changed my mind. So she asked me to marry her. Real romantic, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we got married May 2011, May 9th. So we almost in April. So yeah, next month it'll be 12 years. We say 13 years.
0: Because the dating and stuff, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh So I get the third group, and I always wanted to jump out of airplanes. So in November 2011, I finally go to airborne school, which I thought was really fun Hell and yeah. actually easy. Did that. I'm going to fast forward a little bit here, Ben, because these mm-hmm. years kind of blend. Uh, 2012, started getting ready for deployment to Afghanistan. February of 2013, do my first deployment with group to Afghanistan. Um, supporting operations there, uh, with our special forces group. That takes us February to July of 13. And by the way, when it comes to making rank, um, I was initially slow in the army. So, August two thousand twelve I mean back up July of two thousand twelve I was a specialist. Yeah. December two thousand thirteen I was a staff specialist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: don't know if you kinda mathing. It doesn't it's so weird. I I got promoted pretty quick too, and it's just like sometimes the promotions you're just like, How did I get up here? <laughs> yeah. How did this happen?
1: <laughs> yeah, so I was at E four, I'm gonna sound kinda like a shit bag for like five on six years. But I think it was pretty
0: common. Know. it was common back then, though too, yeah. now it's pushed so hard, yeah. you have to make rank but back then it was like, do your job you'll you'll get it eventually, you know,
1: yeah, um I'll say this uh, and I do really want to hit this as a support person in special operations, for me, it was the best time hands down of my army career. I was treated great, I got to go to schools, I got promoted. I actually did my job on deployments, and I was fulfilled from basically April of 2011 until I left in March of 2017.
0: Just best time of your life, best uh, time of uh, my army career. I got, I got some questions about that. We're sure. going to take a short break, real quick, and then we'll be right back, guys. All right, guys, we're back. I was going to talk to Mark. I just had questions about uh, the. When you were saying you were a group, what do you think the number one, for those that another admin note, for those that don't know, uh, the group we're talking about, instead of brigades, special forces units call themselves groups. Um, the unit he's in is a chemical reconnaissance detachment. They are in support of the green rays, right? They, they are tasked out to support them for whatever mission they need. it's usually considered a very good unit. It's a little more high speed. You gotta be airborne in order to get into those units. So what would you say is like,
1: that makes it like the best type of organization? So from my perspective, I wouldn't say it's the best, it's better than a conventional unit. And that's nothing, Green Berets are awesome, but um, there's nothing special to get there. What I mean is you can be assigned their needs of the army. Now getting there, you do have to have pass a few gates. You have to be airborne qualified and you have to have a certain GT. I think it's 100. It might be 110 Mm -hmm. now. So that does kind of filter out some people who get there. Once you actually get there though, as a a support person, if you suck, they don't keep you around. You get uh, pushed out pretty quick. And I did see that over the course of being there for six years, people would come 74 deltas. Um, And if they weren't there for the right reasons, like say they were just there for to get the NCOER, saying, hey, they were there, they didn't last long. Mm -hmm. I will say this while I was there, I was there for the mission um, completely and truly. And that's why I think I succeeded there and did well. Um, So basically, not trying to fast forward too quick i went there as a leg specialist in april 2011 when i left in march of 2017 i was a staff sergeant promotable uh with four deployments under my belt um multiple schools and i mean when i left i was recognized by my battalion commander uh lieutenant colonel Kirk brinker um and something i have not seen since i left there six years ago is it just to me the rest of the army the conventional army does not treat or take care of their people the way the group does yeah and that's and that's not a knock at all on the conventional army because there's thousands of great and awesome leaders out there but just my experience is that hey group for me was like that was the high point of my career
0: yeah unfortunately i was only i i was in group as well just for just for a year it was a short stint with covid but um you do find that um just the quality of life and the care that they have for making sure there's a billion different avenues of approach for people to get help and stuff or for you to just accomplish the mission is so much more emphasized there than everywhere else
1: i'll say this the the missions weren't easy at all but what made it easier to be there was you you weren't micromanaged um you had a lot of leeway to get things done and you had a lot of support when you had problems and you i'll say this i was treated like once i really uh i don't want to say got comfortable there but once i really got to know my job well i was treated great and i just i have not had that since and that's that's kind of something i yearn for but at this point I mean, I'm never going to go back to a group. I'm going to go to my next duty station or retire. But if you are someone who's not a Green Beret, especially for my 74 series out there, and you're looking to go to be group support, I would say absolutely do it. But you need to do it for the right reasons. You need to be there to support the guys in the ground. You and you have to support the mission. If you go there selfishly, thinking, "Hey, uh, you're going to get a few NCERs and you know uh, pad your records," you're not the right person for the job but right. fortunately i i worked with some really great leaders and some uh people i still consider great friends and mentors too yeah that's awesome so that, at this
0: point you know you get out of that unit and your morale is obviously just skyrocketed at this point your love and life and then where did you go to
1: oh i went to bro i went to the fucking 82nd because <laughs> i hope i don't get in too much trouble for this so i had been operational for 10 plus years at that point six deployments down uh so the one deployment to iraq i did i'm sorry five deployments at this point point. one deployment to iraq two to afghanistan with group i did a deployment to the horn of africa with group when they were going back to africa that started in about 2015-16 um And then i also did a j set which is a joint combined exchange training to pakistan yeah with group nice which is something uh not a lot of people ever get to do which was awesome yeah i
0: i say that i say nice because all i heard about were j sets and i just always heard how cool they were it's a they're basically like not war missions but you're supporting another entity like a country that's not visible like like he's talking about Pakistan and I've heard of some other ones. I don't want to go too deep into the OPSEC of it because I don't know the rules, but I know there were a bunch of other J sets with other countries that people don't know that there's wars going on or there's uh, disputes. There's a lot of shit happening around the world and it's it's just crazy to see, you know, Um, very,
1: uh, I imagine, amazing experience for you. So going to Pakistan was wild. we flew from Fayetteville to JFK up in New York. JFK, 13-hour flight to Abu Dhabi. That's when it kind of got weird because you go from the basically westernized air part of the airport in Abu Dhabi to everything's going uh, to Pakistan or India. So we flew from Abu Dhabi to Islamabad. <laughs> Land in Islamabad, and it's like that scene in 13 hours where it's like, oh, yeah. holy fuck. Imagine three white dudes on a plane with a bunch of people, uh, a bunch of Pakistanis. And it's like they were glaring at us because they Jeez. knew who we were. Yeah. Um, nothing uh, overt, but it was uncomfortable. And then we got picked up by our driver and basically our handler uh, there. And it's it was awesome. Uh, we got to go to, <clears throat> excuse me, Raul Pindi. It's basically the sister city of Islamabad. And we did some, I guess you could call it consulting mm-hmm. for the Pakistani army. Yeah. And it was wild. I mean, outside the U.S. Embassy, which is one of the places we went, there was huge marijuana plants. Literally weed just growing. Just because grow it there? It was just there's growing just, everywhere. A, yeah, it's like a weed there. Yeah. Like right outside the U.S. Embassy. That So that was crazy. And... um I could say this, this isn't uh really obsec. We did not tell them we were NCOs. So it it was a Green Beret, at EOD tech and myself. We did not identify ourselves as NCOs. You wanna know why, Ben? Because what? NCOs in that culture are like second class citizens. Really? Yeah. It's very officer centric. Yeah. Yeah. Because they they take their lineage from like the British Army. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we're like one of the only big ones in the world that emphasizes NCOs a lot more than officers, right? Like NCOs do a, not that uh, we're going to get in the weeds here. Oh, you're, FAA, you're so, about to get in a really yeah. deep subject. But like, you know, U.S. Army, um, NCOs do 90% of the legwork, I would say. I, I put, I'll put that out there. I would say they do 90% of the legwork, and the officers kind of clean up and do the admin portion sometimes, or the make it look good section. The boilers. The rest of the armies that I've seen, a lot of them are more officers do a lot of the legwork, and then the NCOs and enlisted trust in them. Like they have a lot of trust in their officers.
1: Wouldn't you? How How do you feel about it? I don't know about that, Ben. I. Uh... When I, when I saw the NCOs in Pakistan doing was basically the bitch work. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to call them like bitch boys, but that's what they were. Yeah. No, uh, NCOs in the U.S. Army are given a lot of uh, trust. We're putting some critical leadership positions. Um, I don't want to get too far off the topic of this, but I have kind of seen uh, in more recent years how, I guess, maybe our duties and our responsibilities have been degraded. But then again, I don't want to get too far off track. Yeah. So it's oh, okay.
0: Um, me and Mark have a lot of conversations about officers and their roles in the Army.
1: No, that's and let, just let me be just upfront and blunt about this. I've worked for some tremendous officers, mm-hmm. um, even in this organization. Uh, my OIC Reed, a uh, fantastic guy, um, he's here for the mission, he's here uh, because he wants to accomplish stuff take care uh, of his people and get things done but you know we've probably also seen officers who are just there to climb the ladder and get the next rank and don't really care so much about yeah. their people uh, yeah and yeah. i don't really care for them
0: yeah and it sucks because i you know i think i i don't know if i was talking talking to you about this or not but you know in the civilian sector you imagine guys that like they hate their bosses and stuff but the in the, in the climate of that, the bosses take credit for all the good stuff, and they persecute for the bad stuff. Those it's the same thing on our side, just the officers, the officer, like, I've had some that really take care of people, and they make shit happen. And I've had some more often than not, um, ones that are bullet chasing, frankly, They're, they're there to get a good award. And it's so frustrating that their job relies on that, too. You know, like, I don't personally, I don't condone it, but I understand where they're coming from. But God, it's frustrating to everyone in that organization.
1: It is. And (laughs) I look, I'm gonna be very vague about this. Uh, Looking at your organization as an outsider. um, You know, I've been here now, I'm coming up on 16 months. I'm about to leave this seat. I saw your organization go from being solid to just you guys just being in the shit, like to the point where I'm like, I called your company, which I won't name, the few and the proud because yeah. there were so few drill sergeants and you guys were just getting shit on with no support. And it, not, I'm not trying to sound dramatic, but it just, it fucking broke my heart as a senior NCO because I, I listen to these guys and gals just bitch and complain and just get and just day after day just uh doing what needed to be done with no support and there was nothing and i'll be honest there was nothing i could really do besides just hey come into my office here's a cold water like talk to me give them a little break and say hey brother hey sister like go out there and keep doing what you do
0: but i really did see that no and we appreciate that because i you know the i think anybody that's been in um When you have those people you can go to, I've had I've had a couple in this unit that I've been able to, you close a door, you talk to them like a person, you bitch about life for a while, and you come out feeling better. Um, it's not always the, it's probably not the healthiest and it's probably not the most perfect thing to do, but it, in, in the moment, that's very helpful and you remember those people for your rest of your life. You're like, man, I remember, you know. Shout out Cisneros. I don't even know if she knows about this, but. Um, Juanita. Yeah, Juanita Cisneros. One of the outstanding drill signs over uh, in my unit. She, um, she would just come over and just chat with us about stuff. And she would help make it make sense. Or just be like, you know, that's terrible. We're here for you guys. Um,
1: Bro, we're like the same age. And I looked at her as like my mom. Yeah. Because even I would talk to her about stuff. And she would listen to me. And I'm like she just had that I don't know that aura about her but uh yeah she's a she's like a caregiver I don't know she's just good at taking like uh empathy
0: yeah empathy was her strong suit
1: oh yeah very good and there was even times uh Juanita I know you don't like to be called by your first name if you ever listen to this I appreciate the times you listen to me and you sat in the same seat Ben's in now and you would come in and unload on me and it was great uh we had etch uh, same thing. Um, a lot of great NCOs have come through, even officers too. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. I had, we've had a couple here. Um, but yeah, kind of went off on a rabbit hole, but you know, that, that's just a good sum up of NCOs and officers with us. But anyway, you were at, you know, you did all your missions and stuff with group. Um, uh, you get all this stuff going. And then, wh- or after that, 82nd. You're in 82nd now.
1: So, so what yeah. Happens? So I went to First Brigade 82nd, and uh, I was a Battalion Seaburn NCO. I really didn't do my job. It was kind of back to that big army, like, hey, see, like I remember I first got there, they're like, oh, you're Seaburn. Uh, you're gonna be the wash rack NCO. And like a year prior, I was uh, basically in an O3 billet. Uh, doing some important shit in East Africa. And now I'm like, literally washing trucks down at the Fort Bragg yeah. wash rack, which it is what it is. It's, it's, you know, it ebbs and flows. I had a really great uh, senior NCO there. And I'm gonna give him a shout out now. He's retired Master Sergeant Matthew V. McKinney. You know who you are. Tremendous senior NCO uh, longtime 82nd Airborne Division paratrooper. His son was actually in the 82nd when he was there. They were both in Afghanistan at the same time. Uh, Yeah, I think his son's coming here to Fort Leonard when he's reclassing. Um, Great senior NCO. I worked with uh, really good NCOs at my side. Uh, Deanne Winter, she got out to be a veterinarian. Uh, Luisa Aribe. she's still in. She went green to gold. Uh, Sergeant Soto. Uh, he became a jump or he was a jump master at the time. Now he's master rated. He's back in the 82nd. Yeah. Um, so really just great, great NCOs. Um, and it was awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, I think that um, there were
1: some shitty times there though. I won't get into yeah. those, but I, I just remember the good times. In fact, on my Facebook page, my, what's it called? The banner picture or the, yeah, yeah, the, the cover oh, photo. The cover photo. Yeah. That's actually my cover photo is that crew. Oh cool. Yeah.
0: I think I think 82nd is probably the like as far as like morale and esprit de corps and all that type of stuff. I think that's probably you'll find no greater pride in an organization besides maybe like Rock maybe Rockassons in the 101st, but well, re- conventional army, I don't I think there's so much pride and stuff there. It's awesome.
1: Look, for the conventional army when it comes to the 82nd Airborne Division, I remember seeing private first classes who they could tell you about the World War II uh, battles of the 82nd, where I was at in 1st Brigade in the 504th. You don't see that in the rest of the Army. I mean, you see, you saw PFCs of Ranger tabs, uh, expert infantry. I'm talking about the 11 Bravos. And then you saw like corporals as jump masters. Yeah. It pumps you up. It pumps you. It really does. Yeah all these dudes just getting after it just getting after it every day like Mm -hmm. damn like that's and that's when i left there and went to germany i'm like damn i really missed that yeah you don't realize it while you're there then you're gone and you're like oh shit that was pretty cool
0: yeah well they always say what is it your best duty station is your is
1: your next one in your life i'm not gonna say that about fort Leonard Wood, but no
0: no, no, no. No, i'm living a nightmare oh no uh (laughs)
1: Where were you at in Germany, though? So I PCS to Germany in July of 2018. Mind you, I got promoted to sergeant first class in May of 2018. Um, Never thought I would make sergeant first class. Never thought I would stay in past three years. But uh, oh, we skipped over uh, my kids being born. Can I just go back? Yeah, yeah. So my son, Liam, he was born October 4th, 2011 he's gonna be 12 this year my son Colin was born August 23rd 2014 he was born about six weeks before I went back to Afghanistan for the second time so basically uh, I leave this kid is close to two months old I come back and he's eight months old and I'm trying to find the picture my wife has it somewhere where we're on green ramp she's there I came back April 2015 and I'm holding Colin and he's looking at me like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> and it was wild. But um, yeah, let's go to Germany. So July 2018, I go to Germany. Um, obviously, pre-COVID was great. Um, and I was an instructor for three years there. I taught the Seaburn defense course. So basically, uh, for non-Seaburn soldiers, like 11 Bravos, 88 Mikes, they would come to my course. I would train them for two weeks about how to run a unit C burn program mm-hmm. and I loved it. Yeah
0: I think that's those kind of gigs are cool because you just like it's just a block of instruction that you're doing over and over and it's like that's my job training people that's what
1: I do. The great thing was um, and I'll say this, I fucking hate when people waste time. So a lot of my time, I don't want to get specific. And certain training has been wasted um, where you get done basically at 1330, but you have to fucking sit there till 17 because people are too afraid to let you go. The latest we stayed in the Seaburn Defense course was maybe 1600. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually I tried to cover everything, have discussions, and get them out the door by like 15 30
0: 1500.
1: Yeah. While still training them on everything they need, needed to, to know.
0: Yeah, because the nine to five schedule is outdated. And it does not apply to worse. We're like a service industry at this point, you know, we're not pu- pushing out consumer products here. We're training. So if you can get the training done in a reasonable time, get the fuck out of there. Like, you don't need to sit around all day for no fucking reason.
1: I, I think Ben, the people who like stay or, or afraid. They're just, I don't know where that fear comes from. If I let my class, so I would train 16 to 20 soldiers. If I let them go and one gets a DUI, would I get yelled at, maybe it did happen once I didn't get yelled at at all. Yeah, let them go on a Friday at like 14. And by 17, this kid was arrested. Um, yeah. Got a call from my master are like, Hey, man, you know about this? No, it's like, all right, cool. Well, just do, send me the drop packet on Monday. And that's also leadership who was not about knee-jerk reactions who understood. So I'll say this. If there's any senior NCOs listening now, fucking get away from the knee-jerk reactions. Figure out the situation first. Gather all the facts and then react. Don't immediately just place blame because to me that shit doesn't work.
0: They just did a – I think I read it like two years ago. they did an opinion piece in the army times and it was literally about how the army has this mentality of this old old mentality of there is no room for mistakes so when something happens it is a chain of issues happening that caused it right Mm -hmm. but that's just not the case people fuck up sometimes and it's that's the way of the world (laughs) and it's so annoying to like or oh the the there was an instance here where some people uh, screwed up and it cost other people an entire night of not going to bed. They had to sit up and wait all night for these other people that authorities got brought into it, all this stuff. You know, such a giant um, punish mass punishment, we talk about a lot in the army, these mass punishment shits, though,
1: that shit's stupid,
0: it, man. And it doesn't work. It obviously doesn't work. If it hasn't been working for the past, what is it, uh, 250 years, the Army, right?
1: 250
0: almost? 1776? Yeah, yeah. you're 17- pretty close, man. We're yeah. at 245, 246. Yeah. yeah, so, like, all that history, and we're still doing it, and the same issues pop up. You know why? It's because people are fucking people. I don't, I don't know. I, I get it. Really mad about that kind of the knee-jerk reaction stuff and the, you know, somebody somebody fucked up. Well, why didn't you know about their issues? Well, because I'm not their mom. Like I'll talk to them and I talk to people personally, but I can't control every aspect of someone's life. I don't know. Um. So you have your kids though. You had your son in 2011, you said?
1: Yeah, that was when my wife got pregnant. Uh, That was like late January 2011. And he was born uh, 2000. Yeah, a little bit later on. Sorry, I was looking at my phone. Let me put that fucking thing away. Um, So yeah, by the way having kids in the army is not easy having a family so we were dual military for a little while and i'll say this we figured out quick that was not going to work so my wife actually ets it'll be 10 years since she ets oh okay yeah that's how my wife was too she did the same she was yeah and she got out oh and by the way if you're out there dual military uh you have uh my hat goes off to you uh because that is not easy so uh this is going to sound real lame. Thank you and your spouse for their service. Yeah. Appreciate you a lot. One of the hardest juggling oh, acts
0: I've ever seen. Um, Do you think that gave you more purpose while you are in? Like it's, it's like now I have, you know, someone I'm caring for. I'm going to do the best I can. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, So you're over in Germany. You're doing this. How long are you in Germany for? Three years? Three years.
1: years or or so... Three years First year and a half, badass, And then what happened? Oh, COVID. So I'll I'll say this being in Germany. The Germans were real quick with that. uh, Everything locked down. The masks went on. And I think they handled it well. Um, I'll just be honest about this now. I volunteered to get the vaccine. A bunch of us did. And uh, actually the vaccine made me sicker than COVID. And then i i was real cool i actually got COVID after i got the vaccine should i say that on here you're going to edit that out i don't think anyone's
0: monitoring my stuff
1: (laughs) hey neither here nor there but um germany was great um if you get the chance especially as a young single soldier go overseas go to germany korea japan um if you get those opportunities take it because you're going to want to go back I mean, my wife and I now talk about, God, if we could go back, we would. So let's go to July. Well, no, the marketplace. So this new thing for getting assignments in the army comes about called the marketplace. And uh, at this point I wanted to go back to Fort Bragg. I wanted to go back to jump master, which I had failed initially. I wanted to go back to either the 82nd or group and, you know, do that. Deploy again. I, I had a, a break for a while and I was ready to get back into it. I was in great shape. What does the Army decide to do after I was an instructor for three years in Germany? Fort Leonard Wood. Send Fort me to be an instructor at Fort Leonard Wood. <laughs> I was not happy about it. Still not happy about it, but uh, I got to get over that and uh, get to the NCO Academy. I had a really great Sergeant Major there and a great First Sergeant. Uh, First Sergeant Jimenez, if you're listening, I love you, man. Sergeant Major Boroff thank you so much for, uh, all the guidance you gave me sat down with Sergeant Major Borov. He looked at my NCOERs and my record basically said, Hey, your branch failed you. <laughs> yep. This is coming Damn. from an almost 30 year E9 Jesus. Uh, so there was a spot open here in the 84th chemical battalion to be the S3 NCO and they said, Hey, you're going there. Um, this is going to be real funny. Sergeant major bell can corroborate this. I interviewed for the job and she, like Sergeant major bell does. She was honest with me and I was like, fuck, I don't want to do that. So I emailed her the next day. I was like, Hey, appreciate the offer, but I'm good. <laughs> uh, could you imagine how that went? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, No, you're com- <laughs> I had a, uh, had a pretty, uh, in-depth talk with the regimental Sergeant major where it was, uh, it was very one-way, if you want to put it that oh, way. Oh, yeah. Uh I texted her. I was like, hey, I'm sorry. And uh, so January 2022, I reported here. And I remember the first time I met you, Ben. Yeah. Do you remember? No. We were playing basketball at the court. Oh, at the court? NCO, NCO yeah, PT, yeah, 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 And you fouled the fuck out of me.
0: <laughs> trying to make baskets
1: here. Yeah. He hazed me. I don't, yeah. i <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: going to get, they just get a knock on my door tomorrow. Yeah. They just are like,
1: uh, no, I fine. don't, I don't
0: even remember that. That's great. I, that was the freaking Do we talk at all or was it just, no, the, we were
1: talking shit. Yeah. You and Jones fucking, uh, whooping my ass. I'm all old and shit. Lazada is there. Like, so we, we had yeah. this group of drill sergeants, um, from Bravo and Charlie and, Gosh, you want to talk about just awesome, badass NCOs. Some of them are still here. A lot of them are PCS. But uh, I'm just giving Ben shit now. Um, I'm just going to talk about him for a minute. I see him with trainees. He's a drill sergeant. He does his drill sergeant things. But what I see with him is a lot of care for the soldiers. Um, Not just for their uh, professional journey, but personally as well. He gives them a lot of advice. And I'll say this. When I was coming through, we didn't get that shit. It was like, "Hey, private, we're gonna fucking train you and push you out the door." I never uh, got to really know my drill sergeants on a personal level, which I guess you wouldn't at that time. But, and I'm not yeah. saying you you know the soldiers personally, but I could see that you care about them, which yeah. is fucking great.
0: I'm pause for a minute, and then we'll come right back. I just want to talk about it for a minute, but we'll pause for just a second. All right, I'm jumping right back in. I just wanted to get, keep my mind on track. So Mark was talking, I appreciate your words about me because that means a lot. Um, that's that's kind of my mentality. I always heard now, you know, the soldiers treat them how, you know, treat them how you want to be treated. And when I was a younger soldier, um, I'm not saying I had bad NCOs necessarily, Um, but I did not get a bunch of personal development and I, um, I think me and you, we both come up here and talk about the books we read, the podcasts we listen to these interesting facts we found out. Um, I think if you're not trying to better yourself, you become stagnant and then you're just not, you're not reaching that full potential that you do have a lot of people have that way bigger expansion they just aren't getting there um and that's what that's all i want to do is try to make these privates at least be better so when they get to their units they always um sergeant um uh, he was the ait platoon sergeant when i came through oh i can't remember his name bald guy bald guy in group um short guy i can't remember his name anyway um very good nco but the best words he ever said were when you get to wherever you're going to PCS, whether it's now or later, um, act, um, humble, but like you've done the job before. And I'm like, that's such like a good, like confidence and understanding, but willingness to learn are so key to just life in general. And like, I just want these damn privates to do better than what we had to deal with. Because I'm, you know, I haven't even been in that long, but the army is just now pushing for more spiritual, personal, physical development. And these privates coming out of the streets, they don't know about that shit. And they, why would they you're 18. So I just I really like to um, engage on that level with them.
1: Nah, it's awesome that you do. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, it's
0: the same thing you do to me when I come up here, like, you're engaging.
1: How you doing, man? What's going on? Oh yeah, you're a big so, drill sergeant. You could whip my ass. Yeah, man. but i mean, You, you, you <laughs> do it with
0: like everybody in the battalion. Everybody even knows. Hey, go see Mark. He's always fun to talk to. So like that's that's good.
1: That's the thing that's uh, kind of gotten me in trouble over the years. uh Yeah, I'm a sergeant first class, but that's my rank. My name's Mark, and when I talk to my guys, I call them by their first name. And there's some folks who that really irritates the fuck out of them, and I'm absolutely not right in doing it but at the end of the day like my shit stinks and i put my pants on one leg at a time so don't forget we're just people man and if you get the chance to not be a dick don't be a dick yeah use it when needed only when needed
0: yeah only when
1: needed so that's a good
0: good little tangent right there um you get over here at first, were you upset about like, were you really pissed off, or did you know anything about it coming over besides what Sergeant Major Bell told you, or were you just like, "Fuck."
1: I, so I'll be honest. She she didn't. She was like, "Look, we're a, we train all the seventy four deltas in the army from enlisted, warrant officers, officers, we're minimally manned, a uh, few resources, and we have this big ass mission." And I'm like, "Well, fuck." All right, we'll figure it out. And here's the thing the machine keeps chugging along, uh, some way, somehow. We, fortunately, my time here in the S3, which by the way, S3 in the army sucks, even the best case scenarios, it sucks. Yeah. But, uh, I had some, I've worked with some really good first sergeants and uh, one or two, one <laughs> not so good first sergeant, uh, and it is what it is. You, you do what you can to get the job done. Um, my first sergeant who was just in here, First Sergeant Hilt, she's badass. She sat down and like, hey, like, we have this thing, this big competition coming up. Like, let's sit down and kind of just figure this out. And she was just ser- s- sitting in my seat. Yeah. it's like, okay, cool. And that's that collaboration. That's that mutual respect that's like, fuck, this is awesome. Then you come across people like, uh, I don't know. They they forgot where they came from. So I'll tell any young soldiers, senior NCOs, whoever listens to this, never forget where you came from in the Army. Stay humble. There's always someone out there who's better than you. Um, I don't mean to go off on a fucking deep end there, man, but it's, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's so true of some, some NCOs and officers when they make that higher rank, it's more about, you know, I have this now, that means I have the power. And it's like, no you should in theory gain that power from trust and mutual respect that's how you get people to work for you competently and proficiently and without without fail um and to just to just say i'm a i'm a sar major i'm a i'm a colonel you're gonna do what i told you to do that's not the right answer it's it's
1: It's an answer yeah but uh you're not gonna get a good result so my time here is coming to an end first sergeant hilt when she steps out of the alpha company seat she's gonna take some leave and then uh take my position i'm gonna go to otd and get ready to pcs to aberdeen maryland which will be my last duty station
0: and then what you see you have four years left right now or three then why are you adding years
1: i, I have three i don't know i have if you I really count if you count csp and, yeah. and PC and ets leave it's like two and a half okay so you're finally at that home stretch. Yes. And
0: when you look back on all of it, are you like super happy with the choices that you made basically?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Would we'll do it all
0: over again, no problem.
1: Yes. I'll tell you this. Um two thousand fall 2017, early 2018, I was in a real bad spot. Uh had some very serious mental health issues going on, which were addressed, which I received tremendous care for from uh, um, one of the psychs at Fort Bragg, I'm not going to mention her name, but her my battalion commander, they literally saved my life, man, because there was stuff that had happened earlier in my career on my first deployment. Uh, I had kind of just buried and I'll tell you this because you probably know and the listeners you can only carry that shit for so long before it eats you alive. And that's where I was at. So uh, 2000, late 2017, it's like, hey, you're about to be a sergeant first class. They were going to send me to Korea for a year mm-hmm. and right back to Fort Bragg to deploy again. Oof. That would have been number seven. Yeah. At that point, man, my marriage is on the rocks. Uh, did not have a good relationship with my young boys and it was like all right cool I'll go to Korea we'll get divorced and then I'll just come back here and we'll you do your thing I'll do mine oh. so Massar McKinney I'm gonna go back to him was like hey ask about going to Germany to be an observer controller mm-hmm. I'm like okay so I hit up branch and they're like yeah we have a spot open but you got to be an instructor I'm like well I'll take it can I take my family yeah so I did that yeah if I would have went on the path the army was trying to put me on I wouldn't be here talking to you and I wouldn't be married anymore.
0: Yeah. Sometimes you got to fight those things that you got to pick and choose your battles. But family, man, family and mental health, it's so fucking. I just went over this with Danielle in my last episode. It's mental health is still, I don't know if it's overlooked or what, but it's still kind of played to the side. But like, especially mid career guys, I really, I don't, it's not that I don't care, but new privates coming in. Deal with those demons, but you're young. So people don't have an impression of you go, go get that help. Cause most of the NCOs now that pretty much from me to Mark that that's fucking eight years to almost 20 years. A lot of us have dealt with some shit, whether it was like personal or it was the army having that effect on us, but people just go get some help. Like you can go talk to somebody. You can try to work out a deal for a better duty station, like. It doesn't always have to be about, I need to progress my career. Like, take care of everyone around you and your mental health, and then the rest of it will come.
1: I'll, um, I'll say this, uh, the newer generation, they're not really doing deployments anymore, but that doesn't mean they're not bringing baggage in because we all deal with stuff. And, but I'll say to my uh, my peers who are in, who are still in, who are in the GWAT, um, and I'm stealing this from a very famous podcaster, Andy Stump. God bless you Andy stump you make my Mondays and Fridays if you touch war it's going to touch you back um for me I was like oh that's small stuff I've not a big deal but after a while the things I went through started to eat me alive literally uh drinking and just going down the rabbit hole of not doing smart shit so I had a great wife and a great support system that pulled me back from the brink. And I still do to this day. Um, And I know it's kind of cliche, it sounds lame, but reach out, talk to people, people will listen. If you don't find the right people keep reaching out, keep looking, there's someone who's willing to help out. And that's why, uh, especially for the drill sergeants here and the NCOs, um, even some of the officers, uh, they come talk to me, and I listen. And really a lot of times that's what, that's what people need. They, they need someone just to listen to them. So be that person. If you're in that position, just listen, there's not a whole lot you could do, but listening really does help. Absolutely.
0: Also shameless plug for nine,
1: eight, eight, which is the uh,
0: hotline for, uh, suicide and just, um, depression hotline, basically for veterans, Just nine, eight, eight. now. I didn't even know it changed. So, um, yeah, that's, it's just so important. I can't, sh- I think I've talked about it almost every episode so far, but like, I really hope people get the help they deserve and that they can have someone in their lives that they have a, uh, they can actually have those conversations with. Um, so yeah, man, um, what advice would you give? I want something, if you could, like something good to tell new guys coming in. And something
1: bad, like like a good piece of advice for them. Good good piece of advice to new soldiers when you get to your first duty station. Find those solid NCOs who know what the fuck they're doing, and they'll stick out. How are they going to stick out? They're going to look sharp. They're going to know their jobs, and they're going to be humble and gravitate towards them. Stay away, and this is going to be an old saying, when you see like a seven-year specialist or a five-year PFC and they're talking about all this shit that sounds legit, they are fucking kryptonite. Stay away from them. Stay away from those that 15-year sergeant who's overweight and is kind of a shitbag because they're not going to help you. Gravitate towards those high-speed NCOs you'll know who they are, latch on to them, learn everything you can from them, and do good. Um, At your first duty station, stay away from those shithole places, especially if you go to Fayetteville, they're still there on Bragg Boulevard. And uh, stay in shape. um, Learn a lot. And just be open uh, to experiencing new stuff, you're gonna make some of the best friends you ever had in the army. Or whatever service you go into and the beginning of your career honestly is probably some of the best years because when you become an old crusty yeah. senior nco you're like man this shit sucks yeah when you peek behind the curtain
0: I, th- I think those first years it's so easy because you just show up and do your job and just do what people tell you and then you're off for the, like you're done for the day you go do whatever you want like mm-hmm. but it's it's so fun um that's good though that's what he just said to everybody was mentorship that's what that's what private should be doing or hearing and that's good um what uh piece of advice that like i don't mean bad advice that's terrible but like stuff that they should look out for that's negative
1: all right something i've seen and when i see it i say some shit about it if you see someone especially an nco who's trying to get you to buy into some bullshit like oh hey I could show you how to flip palaces just give me 5,000 for one that's fucking illegal but two, like this isn't a business uh, enterprise that we're in so if you get someone at your first studio first station and this has happened they're like oh hey let me take you to this used car lot no don't do that shit soldiers stay the hell away from it like I said gravitate towards those NCOs uh, who aren't gonna do that who are solid Um, I would definitely say this. Drinking can be cool, but if you're doing it every night, that shit catches up with you, so watch how much you drink. Um, And really, there's uh, some opportunities now, like the expert soldier badge. Do it while you're young. Do airborne while you're young. Go to Ranger while you're young. Don't wait until you're my age to try to do it because you're old and broke and not in the best shape you were when you were 19 and 20 years old. Yeah. So take take those opportunities while you're young. Don't wait. That's good. Mark. Um, and then my last thing for you before we get off
0: here. Um, what recommendation or movie? It's like motivates you like badass? Like, what what gets you going?
1: Uh, I was just talking to my old squad leader who's sitting outside he's the acting sergeant major right now master sergeant gibbons oh yeah fury man Ooh, good good choice good Mis- choice can i quote it yeah yeah yeah. mistake yeah. The army don't make mistakes <laughs> <laughs> you have the clerk type so for people who don't know they have this kid norman who shows up he's like i'm a clerk typist i have never seen the inside of a tank <laughs> and then john bernthal's character basically says that quote like yeah the army doesn't make mistakes that's like one
0: of the new, like in back in the day, you know, there's all those old like war
1: movies. Yeah. That are super,
0: that's like a new one. That's like a legit war movie. That's just awesome as fuck. Like,
1: fuck yeah. the
0: cast is there, the the lines and shit. What, best job I ever had. We Best job that's, I ever we had. We put it down at, down at our office all the time. Like, shit's just going haywire. I'm just sitting there like sad as shit. Best job I ever had.
1: You see the stupid smile I have on my face right yeah. now? Because thinking back over my career. Like the shitty parts, like first deployment in Iraq, there was a month of guard duty, basically four hours on, four hours off. And you're like, this shit sucks. And I remember sitting at the ECP to the cop with one of the tankers. I think he's still in Aiken's, like freezing our fucking asses off because it was January. Like, man, this sucks, but it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Like watching the sunrise in the desert is actually a pretty fucking cool thing. Absolutely. Those little beautiful moments are just insane. It, but you're so like miserable. Yeah. It's, it's, you're so miserable. It's fun. <laughs> no, that, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Smoke, and I was smoking cheap uh, cigarettes back then too. Like, what well, could be better? Oh, yeah. It's awesome.
0: All right. Well, we'll get off here. Um, Mark, I can't thank you enough for uh, being on. Um, It was an honor talking to you and stuff.
1: Ben, it's an honor talking to you. And when I see you and I see Drossana Lozada and I see, uh, you know, Cisneranos and the people who've come through, uh, who are my peers and like, you know, the younger NCOs like you, I have a lot of hope, um, for the army. Um, and just for the next generation, you guys are fucking solid. So when you're doing the next big thing, I mean, I'll be at home watching it on the news, but you know, it's, just joking man you you guys
0: are great keep doing what you do i really appreciate that man um thank y'all for listening um we'll uh we'll be getting more content out but again thank you mark uh we'll see you guys later